Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of August 2021, and it's once again that time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, essentially, what this is, is uh, us taking a tour uh, through the monthly physical media release calendar uh, that would be for the month of August 2021 uh, and just saying a little something about any titles that jump out on us uh, and in joining me in this endeavor I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast how's it going Brad it's going excellent another month another uh, month full of blu-rays to waste my money on and I do believe if I remember correctly this is a five-week month correct I think we got five weeks to dig into here Yes, uh, August 2021 has also been the month of Moss. Yeah, exactly. It has indeed been a five Tuesday month. Uh, so um, one would think that having five release dates in a in a month would result in a, a whole heap of really amazing titles. Uh, but time will tell as to as to the validity of that statement because uh, I have a feeling this isn't going to be the best month uh, for physical media releases. But uh, we'll get to that when we get to it. But uh, folks at home, if you want to follow along with the home version of uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray, uh, you can do so by navigating to the very lovely website of uh, Blu-ray.com, uh, then navigate to the release date section of the website and uh, just pull up the August 2021 calendar. And also, if you're not familiar uh, with how this generally works, uh, physical media releases, so that would be like DVDs, 4Ks, Blu-rays, and all that stuff, uh, tend to occur on Tuesdays of every calendar week, uh, which is why I said we have uh, five release dates, uh, five general release dates in the month of August. Uh, so right out the gate, our first uh, Tuesday of the month of August 2021 falls on August 3rd. Uh, and the very first title that came out this week uh, is one that is very near and dear to my heart. I've mentioned it countless times on Catching Up on Cinema and Catching Up on Blu-ray. Uh, that would be The Transformers, colon, the movie from 1986 uh this is a shout factory uh steelbook release uh with a uh, like a general non-steelbook release to soon to follow i believe in the following month um brad i'll, I'll just uh start things off by asking uh i'm, I'm sure i've asked you this plenty of times uh, have you seen this film uh, I've not seen this film yet. I've, I don't have the uh, the affinity or the connection to it i mean maybe i would if i watched it but uh yeah i've never seen it before yeah, I mean, I want to say this is most certainly a generational thing. I mean, technically, this movie came out uh, a year before I was even born. However, I've, I have the benefit of having an older brother um, who I got his leftovers. I got some of like the spillover of, of his childhood favorite stuff. Uh, so growing up, the Transformers, the original iteration of the franchise, technically was a little bit before my time. But because of my brother being enamored with, you know, the, the Hasbro franchise and the like of the toys and the cartoon uh, I kind of absorbed it through osmosis and uh, we both kind of shared a, a special affinity uh, for for this franchise and continue to to this day warts and all uh, anything that has the Transformers name on it is certainly going to make my ears perk up a little bit um, although those Michael Bay movies man uh, <laughs> like my brother and I have kind of made like a a fun tradition of just going to the theater and subjecting ourselves to those every time they come out because we know they're not good like i would never defend them although there are parts of 
like that first one maybe uh, that I, I guess I could defend, like if you put yourself in a child's shoes or something. Um, but no, that, that franchise is mostly trash. It represents some of the ugliest trends in cinema. Um, and yet, because it bears the Transformers name and just barely touches on the thing that we all know and love, my brother and I still trot out to the theater every fucking time. Gotta do it. You gotta do gotta it. Gotta do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've seen all those, uh, the live-action Transformers films. I will say, uh, I did have a good movie-going experience at one of the premieres. I think it was for the third one. Uh, we snuck beach balls into the theater and, uh, you know, waiting for the movie. That was when you couldn't reserve your seats. That was when you had to get there early to get a seat. So while we were waiting, we uh, pulled out the beach balls, blew them up, and we just had had a grand old time. We did that with a few uh, premieres, but that was one of them specifically. Wow, that kind of sounds awesome. I mean, the, yeah. the kid, the kids today don't don't know what it was to to like sit sit on the sidewalk waiting to get into a theater just so you could get the shittiest seats in the house. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, it's uh, as much as a convenience as reserving your seat is. You do miss out on some of the some of the fun of it. Yeah, uh, I always enjoy watching like wrestling highlight videos, and occasionally you'll see like a pay per view show or something where somebody inevitably will sneak a beach ball into the crowd, and you'll just see people playing around with the beach ball and totally ignoring the in ring antics, and then you'll actually hear people like get depressed and like do like boos when, oh, yeah. when like security grabs the ball. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that would happen. I felt I felt bad for the movie theater employees. I don't think I ever booed them i'm like ah, i don't care it's just a one dollar beach ball or whatever but uh yeah they'd always come in and have to take it <laughs> well i mean that that's that's the kind of movie that a beach ball disruption like even even i who generally like like to pay attention to the movie like i i don't really get swept up in in crowd stuff like yeah. it's it's part of why I don't go see comedies in the theater. I, I don't like laughing in public. Like, I feel really <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to be part of the tide of humanity. But um, those kinds of movies, it's like, I don't give a shit. Like, like nothing that's happening on the screen ever in this two-hour and 45-fucking-minute movie <laughs> is at all important. <laughs> in fact, like, most of this movie just feels like the leftovers of a, a modern warfare game. Uh, actually, that was kind of a really interesting point in cinema where you started to see that, actually, where you started to see like the two the two mediums kind of competing a little bit where it's like who's influencing who at this point, because so much of like gaming up until the, the mid to late 2000s well, and to this day, in fact, like, you, you can see like cinematic influences like the developers of these games wear them on their sleeves, like like, for instance, like Starcraft, like half of the. Half of the dialogue that comes out of the units when you click them too many times is basically directly quoted from aliens or mm-hmm. failing that like Star Trek or something. And with with the Transformers movies, you had a situation where like the Call of Duty franchise was globally like I think the highest earning multimedia franchise in like history at that point. And so you had a situation where the biggest movies of their day, i.e. the Transformers movies, were starting to like bite off of them. And it's like, oh shit. Like, like like is that where we're at now? Where like movie studios are ripping off video games instead of the reverse? Um but yeah, that uh that third one was uh like second second one I want to say is maybe the worst. Yeah. Like it, like in terms of like narrative engagement and like just the 
the construction of the action scenes even it, it's just like there's there's like one good moment the forest battle with optimus prime and megatron and starscream and stuff that was that was kind of cool <clears throat> and then you get to the desert and it's just like what the fuck are we doing and then like shia labeouf goes to visit the the transformers in the spectral realm and it's like and dies and comes back to life i mean we do get that awesome uh father son uh you gotta let me go speech between kevin dunn and shia labeouf that yeah. that is that is cinematic gold kevin oh, yeah. dunn passionately trying, trying to keep his son from rushing to his doom is pretty fantastic um but yeah that third one is where things just turn it turns into just lights with sound yeah, it's like we're not even bothering to give a shit anymore in terms of like who's supposed to be who and who's fighting who for what reason, and yeah, thankfully that the 1986 movie, while it is essentially just one long toy commercial, like you don't know this because you haven't seen it, Brad. But basically, if you look at it from a cynical standpoint, the opening half hour of the movie is essentially intended to like pave the way for a brand new product line of toys because the the toy line is is really where the money is being made uh with this franchise or at least it was anyway in the 80s um and basically you have a you have like a reboot situation where it's like we're we're knocking all these players off of the table so we can push up a brand new product line for all the kids to get excited about it's like oh some kids are going to get excited and he's going to want to buy the brand new hot rod toy or whatever or the brand new rodimus prime or the brand new galvatron but what what's kind of interesting is the while that is true from a cynical marketing standpoint, from a narrative standpoint, they they find the right balance where mm-hmm. it's it still tells a story. And because the characters are dimensioned just enough, like just enough, <laughs> like like it actually feels like it matters, like it actually feels like these these new characters aren't cynically just replacing the old ones. It's like, no, there was genuine loss that occurred. Um, and now this is the next chapter in an ongoing saga. But um, yeah, the soundtrack for this movie, every every frame of it is just seared into my into my being. It, this movie, in many ways, basically is me. Yeah. Um, so you better believe I already have this on my shelf, and <laughs> and I'm gonna take another swing at having my girlfriend watch it because we tried to watch the Blu-ray a while ago, and uh, that didn't get finished. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I don't even think it's a very long movie, so uh, maybe that's just not meant to be. But this is um, maybe the movie I've seen the most in my life. So yeah. um, I now own it on DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. Um, and whatever future formats we'll, we'll be getting uh, in the days to come. Yeah, it's one of those. It, it's you know, one of those. It reminded me of uh, the thing with you know killing off these characters and bringing in the new line very similar to uh when planters killed off mr peanut in the super bowl commercial and brought on baby nut basically the same thing right <laughs> yeah actually it's the same idea yeah um although i want to say that was done more winkingly where, where it's like we, we 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 and you both know what we're doing here yeah um and maybe maybe that marketing strategy came directly from this because infamously or maybe famously uh, this was the movie where, spoiler alert, Optimus Prime dies. Um, and apparently parent groups like just spam the Hasbro offices. Like I think it, Marvel Studios may have done the animation. or No, Sunbow uh, did the animation. 
Um, whoever animated it and whoever created the film, uh, their offices got flooded with angry letters from parents saying, like, my child is distraught. Oh, boy. <laughs> you killed his hero, the Peterbilt truck that talks. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I could which see actually, that. Which actually is the reason why the, uh, the G.I. Joe animated film that came out very shortly after this, um, they, they actually backpedaled. They intended to do the same thing with the character Duke, and they instead they ADR'd maybe the best line in ADR history. Uh, he has gone into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> While he has like a bullet hole in his chest, like square in the middle, straight through the heart. And yeah. there's just this really sloppily and hastily ADR'd line of Duke has gone into a coma. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and then he gets better at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, beside that, uh, we have a 4K release of a title that, uh, Brad, you reviewed for your podcast, the Cinema Speak podcast. Yes, uh, Luca, the uh, Disney Pixar film, which was a exclusively on Disney Plus, I believe. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it's uh, quite good actually. I was kind of surprised. It's very low stakes, but it was very just kind of enjoyable, watchable, sort of a. Real good summer summertime watch. It, it it does feel like one of those, uh, uh, you know, call me by your name esque, you know, French countryside sort of uh, just hangout films. And uh, yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit. I was kind of, you know, kept thinking this was going to be. I don't want to say trash, but Pixar has been a little hit or miss lately, and I wasn't uh, too sure about this one. And I I actually did quite like it. So I don't know if I'll be picking this one up, but uh, especially if we've already subscribe to disney plus i don't know if i need to actually own the physical copy of it but uh you know it's definitely worth watching yeah this one i wouldn't say it flew under the radar rather it's just it just wasn't on mine like mm-hmm. i've i've been aware of it i've seen marketing for it it's just it nothing about it made me terribly excited to check it out and uh you and my girlfriend who who does generally like disney slash pixar productions like she didn't say shit about it so we haven't watched it yeah Uh, and probably and probably just will end up skipping it um from a thematic standpoint though i was actually slightly interested in checking this one out just because i I was curious like what like what they do with it or if they try to establish like um like mm, like parables or anything with with the storytelling because like right out the gate it's like you can tell there's some rich themes going on or there's deeper themes at work just based on the basic concept of the film it's like okay you have a person from a radically different community i.e the sea uh coming on land and then hiding in plain sight and gaining a surrogate family it's like do you know what i'm kind of getting at here yeah um but i'm not sure how explicit they get or how on the nose they try to get with these sort of themes so i was just kind of curious like what what they end up doing with that and how bold they end up going with that but uh, not enough to actually watch it, but yeah, <laughs> that, that's never, what I was thinking when I saw the marketing anyway. Yeah, that's definitely there. They never get too overly explicit with it, which, you know, I guess I I think is a good thing personally. But I mean, maybe maybe that would go over the kids heads then. Maybe maybe they should have been, you know, I mean, make a good movie and tell a good story. That's at the end of the day. That's that should be your main objective. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I did like this one. I don't know if you uh, ended up checking out uh, what is it called? Soul. But uh, that one, if if you're going to pick one of the Pixar movies that debuted exclusively on Disney+, Plus, that one, I think, was the better film out of the two. But they're both good. Yeah, if I had to pick between the two which one I would watch, uh, if I could only pick one, I'd probably go with Soul. 
Um, but you know, animation is one of those art forms that's like, I I can get enough just from an audiovisual standpoint generally that I I will never feel like I totally wasted my time uh, just if I can see the the artistry at work. Um, just for whatever reason, I, I just wasn't particularly drawn to either one. But yeah. uh, I was glad to hear that both you and your gal uh, enjoyed your time with Luca, though. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and beside that, uh, we have a Arrow release of the Dai Majin uh, trilogy. And uh, I, <laughs> Brad was telling me before we started recording, uh, we're getting a little bit of deja vu because uh, I actually guessed it on his podcast, the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, not too long ago. Um, and something they do, or he does rather, uh, during the wrap-up portion of his show is just talk about uh, the weekly releases. So I feel like I'm repeating myself here because we I literally am. <laughs> but uh, it needs to be said, I think uh, Mill Creek uh, put out uh, a box set of the same movies here. Uh, I actually own that, that particular set. Um, and I said this on the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, these, f- these films are tremendous. Uh, Arrow tends to charge very high prices for their products, but justifiably so because they make good product. Um, I I don't need to repurchase these films. However, I am glad that I own them, even in, in the Mill Creek edition, because uh, they're they're fantastic. They're uh, daikaiju movies, but on a smaller scale uh, than most films of that genre. So the miniature work in particular is really striking. Uh, because the level of detail put into each individual prop and like structure in the environment had to be that much greater uh, to fool the camera. Because um, instead of like a hundred foot tall Godzilla, we're dealing with like a, a thirty foot tall golem. Um, but yeah, uh, very very awesome movies. They only made three of them. I think there may have been a modern day reimagining. Uh, I mean, it's. It's a it's a classic story, so I wouldn't be surprised if they took another swing at it at some point. But as far as I know, um, there were only the three films in the 60s. But um, moving on, uh, we have yet another film that uh, Brad covered for his podcast. Uh, the, that would be uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead from 2021. And uh, Brad, what was your general assessment of this film? Oh, I thought it sucked. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it was just very boring and bland. It, I mean, it, it did. It didn't suck, but it almost sucked because it didn't suck. Like I almost wish the movie was worse. It's just so middle of the road and uninspired. Um, yeah, definitely a bit of a disappointment coming from uh, what's the name Taylor Sheridan, who has done fairly good stuff. Uh, but yeah, this one was a, a bit of a bit of a wet noodle in my opinion. Yeah, Taylor Sheridan's name carries carries some serious weight. Although I don't know, man, I feel like he he maybe maybe he shot his shot or something. Although I think, so. I, I think he's attached to that Yellowstone show. I can't bring myself to watch it, but there's certain people that are really into it. Um, and I, of course, uh, Hell or High Water, I quite liked. Um, he, he he seems to put out good work, but maybe not super consistent um but yeah i was really bummed uh, that this sucked uh, in your own words because i his name was enough to get me interested in the project um nothing about the marketing to be totally honest had me terribly enthused like i wasn't seeing any images or promises of action set pieces that looked particularly oh, yeah. interesting so that got me a little worried and then i held off just long enough uh, to wait for your review of it, Brad, and I'm kind of glad it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And he also, uh, he didn't direct it, I don't think, but he wrote the, was it a Tom Clancy uh, movie starring Michael B. Jordan that came out this year? Oh, fuck. That was terrible. Yeah. I believe he, I don't know if he was the only writer, but he was attached to it in some way. So if if you had stock on this guy, I'd be selling. I'd be selling hard right now. This guy's crashing and burning this year. Man, it it says a lot that I can't even remember the name of that movie because it was it was such a fart in the wind. Mm-hmm. Like like it it had so little going for it. Like I I really got almost nothing from it. Yeah. Like, I I'm kind of bummed that I wasted my time with that because I mean I I don't ask for much for my you know like angry military guy shoots people in the face movies. Like maybe maybe him shooting people in the face every once in a while would have made it better. Uh, there's not a whole lot of that in the movie, but. Um. Yeah. Uh, so Taylor Sheridan, like, I don't know, man. You got to You got to like knock one out of the park next time at bat because uh, you're on the bubble, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, he's watch, watch out. Watch out, bud. We're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad. I'll pass the baton to you. Uh, what jumps out at you next? I mean, uh, Django 4K, but it, that has come out like 17 times. I think. Right. I mean, am I am I going crazy here? I mean, I think there's multiple films in that series, but yeah, it does feel like Arrow puts out a new Django title every couple months or something, so yeah. feel feel free to bounce from that one into whatever else. <laughs> well, there's uh, Coogan's Bluff, uh, another Clint Eastwood Kino film. I don't know much about it. Uh, we've got Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker from Code Red. The one I, that I actually I probably won't pick up, but I do really want to watch is Seance which is a 2021 release, and uh, it's from um, Simon Barrett, who he wrote the films You're Next, uh, The Guest, and uh, I don't know if he's directed anything else. I can't remember, but I was quite a big fan of You're Next and The Guest, and uh, I've heard this. Uh, I've heard pretty good things about this one. Uh, sort of a... I think it is mostly a slasher. Like, there is, you know, the sort of, like, supernatural seance elements to it but i think it is over overall kind of like a tongue-in-cheek slasher almost and uh, i've heard it i've heard pretty good things about it so i'm uh, definitely looking to check this one out eventually yeah actually simon barrett much like taylor sheridan uh, that's a name that actually does carry weight with me um he also seems to i I would say he's probably more consistent, I guess, at this point. Like, he, he generally seems to bring, like, a level of quality or at least intrigue uh, to yeah. his work. Um, the tone of a lot of his projects sounds like it's kind of disarming, where it's, like, not not exactly consistent, but uh, maybe just consistent in that it's enjoyable. Uh, I've heard very good things about The Guest in particular. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd actually really like to watch that, but... Um, I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't know he was attached to Seance because uh, mm-hmm. the the cover is fairly nondescript. Um, if you're not aware, folks at home, it's just a bunch of teenage gals and like a flowery font that says Seance. One of them's holding a hammer, so you know something something cool is going to happen there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, beyond that, I, I totally would have just glanced right over that one. Yeah, the poster on IMDb for Seance is way better. Yeah, that's. A- Way better. I'd check that out. That's a that's a good looking poster. Okay, you heard it here, folks. Check out the poster on IMDb. It's yeah. much better than the Blu-ray cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll point out here that we have an Arrow box set of uh, the Sergio Martino collection. Uh, so this appears to be at least three films. Um, we have the Case of the Scorpion's Tail, 
Um, and I'm trying to read the rest of it. It's a little small. Uh, your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. And then the suspicious death of a minor. Um, is a uh, Sergio Martino a name that carries any weight with you, Brad? Uh, I know the name. I, I can't say I've seen or know much about any of his films. Um, I do believe, if I'm remembering right, I think these all had previously been put out by Arrow. This is just uh, them sort of packaging them all together and releasing them as one collection. Okay, that sounds right. In fact, some of these uh, some of these covers look somewhat familiar, but uh, I like the slipcase that comes with it. Ooh, that handsome. is nice. That is good. Oh, yeah. Handsome packaging. It matters, folks. Um and then uh, the last title that jumps out at me, besides, uh, just so you're aware, folks, we're not going to be talking about every title uh, this month, just the ones that really jump out at us. Uh, we have many, many older releases for films, uh, for even dating back to the 1930s, uh, including Union Pacific from 1939 and uh, Four Frightened People uh, from 1934. But uh, the last title for this week of August 3rd that I'll point out, I guess, is uh, Take Back! <laughs> which is a uh, direct-to-video action thriller, I presume, uh, featuring Michael Jai White and his wife, uh, uh, Jillian White, I believe is her name. Um, but then we also have uh, Mickey Rourke uh, sporting a questionable hairdo, because it would not be modern-day Mickey Rourke if questionable hair choices were not included. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've seen a trailer for this movie. Uh, it looks serviceable at best. This is... Uh, red box fodder if ever there was one um i don't think i'm gonna bother watching this but uh i i i really like michael jai white like it, anything he appears in will will certainly catch my attention like all, my ears will perk up at the announcement of a new michael jai white product um but i just think it's neat uh the, it's a husband and wife action team these days like like he's been bringing her along like or actually it's not even him bringing her along she's just it's it's a package deal mm-hmm. if you get one if you get one white you get both of them and they both throw kicks and it's pretty great <laughs> good for them that's love good for them that is love man especially when like uh the last time i saw them together on film was uh the uh it's a remake of sudden death uh the van damme movie in the hockey arena um, the two of them like square off with each other and the whole time I'm just getting really nervous watching a husband and wife throw fucking punches and kicks at each other. <laughs> it's just like, Jesus, like you got to really love and trust each other to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's bop on down to the next week of August. That would be August 10th. Uh, and to begin things, uh, we have a release of Batman The Long Halloween Part 2. Uh, on Blu-ray. So this would be the concluding chapter of the Long Halloween animated uh, two-parter, I guess. So it's it's two features. Uh, This is based on the... uh, I don't remember if it was a graphic novel or if it was like a limited series, but there is a collected edition story of the Long Halloween uh, that's really, really famous. uh, Hugely influential, uh, in particular on like uh, The Dark Knight, uh, the Christopher Nolan movie. Um, a lot of the, it, it, I think as far as I recall, it's been a long time since I read this. Um, if I remember right, this is the one that focuses quite a bit on like the Falcone, like crime family, uh, more so than like the rogues gallery. Although as evidenced by the cover art, uh, Two-Face does get involved at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I haven't been watching these, uh, DC animated 
Batman movies in quite some time, uh, not since like the late 2000s. I, I just kind of got tired of them, but um, generally they're they're fine. Like they they have like a revolving door of talented of of like voice talent such that it actually gets a little bit obnoxious at times where it's like do we really need to recast everyone every single time <laughs> like like some consistency would be kind of nice but you know whatever people got to get work wherever they can find it um but beside that we have a warner archive collection release of one crazy summer um brad have you seen this one I do not, uh, and I have not, and I do not know much about it. I'm looking John Cusack and Demi Moore in it, and Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, not a bad cast. Not a bad cast at all. <laughs> yeah, and we got a Jeremy Piven buried in there as well from oh, 1986. Yeah. Um, I have not seen this in its entirety, but I, I seem to remember it uh, doing the rounds on the cable networks at some point in my youth. Um, and I don't know, the, the bits of it that I saw look kind of fun. Um, maybe not like on the level of like a, a say anything or something, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it looked like good eighties fun, uh, not anything I'm going to be picking up by any means, but, uh, I don't know. One of these days it would be kind of nice just to finish that movie, just to see if like, I'm even remembering it correctly. Yeah. 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 Well, Hey, now's your chance, man. Now's your chance. Pick it up. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not opening my wallet for one crazy summer. <laughs> <laughs> how much, is uh, it, how much is this going for? That's the question. It's, Seventeen bucks? Ah, seventeen bucks too much, man. <laughs> <laughs> I could buy a fucking pizza for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A good pizza, man. Yeah. Not not like a Red Baron, <laughs> like an actual delivery pizza. Uh, but beside that, we have a a Paramount Presents release, and this is numbered, Brad. We know how you feel about numbers on the spine. Uh, oh Paramount boy! Paramount Presents a Place in the Sun. Uh, from 1951. Now, are all of these Paramounts Presents releases, like, is the packaging for this consistent? Yep, I believe so. They've got this sort of almost, uh, I don't even know how you describe it, like slipcover mixed with a digibook had a baby sort of thing. Yeah, it, um, it has like a little, like, inside cover or something. It has yeah, a little, it's like, like a fold-out poster yeah. almost. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that, but yeah, it, it does have some pretty handsome packaging to it, and this is number 22 in the series, so if you're keeping up with those, uh, I guess you better open up your wallet and shell out uh, 22.99 for that bitch. Yeah, I do like, <laughs> I, I gotta say, Paramount, they've been stepping up their home video game lately, so I gotta I gotta give them credit, and I, I do like this line, um, I, I like I said, I think I've said it on here before. They they messed up one of their releases. I heard it with the picture quality was horrible. So I didn't pick that one up. Otherwise, I probably would have been buying all of these. So it's a good thing they messed up that one. So, <laughs> Well, what's curious to me, Brad, and maybe you can help me find it, is that uh, A Place in the Sun was number 22. And then just a couple of slots over here, uh, we have Nashville from 1975, which is number 24. So what happened to number 23? That is a, a good question. I right. I'm not I'm not sure. Let me let me do some research here quick. All right. Well, I'll keep rolling along then while you do that. Um, in the interim, uh, we have uh, a the first Criterion release of the month of August 2021. That would be Afterlife, or uh, I guess in Japanese it's Wonderful Life. Uh, this is from 1998, and this is a Hirokazu Koreeda film. Uh, that name carries quite a bit of weight. However, I'm not positive if I've seen any of their movies. Oh, 
Uh, they directed Shoplifters uh, from 2018. That movie was massively critically acclaimed mm-hmm. uh, in 2018. Uh, so yeah, th- that's definitely a, a director that massively well accomplished in Japan and internationally. But that's our first Criterion release for the month, and we will be playing all of those out because uh, we have a saying here at Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if it's from Criterion, it's probably worth your time, uh, even if you don't even know what the fuck it is. Yep. Yeah. I will say, uh, 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 number 23, uh, supposedly, I guess, coming out at the end of this month, uh, Bugsy Malone is number 23. So I don't know why they released them in that order, but uh, yeah, so it just came out a few weeks after 24 for some reason. Hmm. Well, I mean, the, the pandemic has really dealt a blow to manufacturers and distributors i know that much so maybe mm-hmm. it would maybe it was in the works and it just didn't go the way they planned it's like well it's got the wrong number on it yeah <laughs> oh well it'll come out anyway yep. Yep. <laughs> um we have a shout factory release of havoc from 2005 um just gonna check real quick this looks like it's debuting on the format um i don't know this movie uh do you know this one brad no, uh, Anne Hathaway, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've never heard of this actually. Yeah. Uh, oh shit, Michael Bean. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> it's like 2005. Anne Hathaway's in it. I don't care. I want to see Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh hey, uh, my brother Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's also in there. Um, back in the day, man, like no lie, uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, Joseph Gordon-Levitt looked identical to my brother yeah um and what what's more um what's his face numbers from that television show numbers uh <laughs> uh Krumholtz, maybe um i can't remember his first name anyway uh he played his friend in 10 things i hate about you okay it just so happened that my brother's good buddy at the time also looked just like him so the two of them as a pair looked looked identical to the 10 things i hate about you pairing mm-hmm. um but yeah, check out Havoc from 2005. It has some really famous people and Michael Bean, which is the only reason I'd probably end up watching it. <laughs> yeah, all the all the. Uh, so wait, is Joe Scorden Levin in it? I can't. He's in it, right? You said. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I lost the I lost the trail of thought there, but uh, all the J all the JGL heads will have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, Anne Hathaway is not at all a selling point. <laughs> clearly, no. no. <laughs> it's not like she's featured in every screenshot on the plane. <laughs> And on the cover. Um, we have The Treasure of Jamaica Reef from Dark Force Entertainment. Um, these folks seem to deal almost exclusively in schlock. Um, I would expect no less from, from this film. Uh, the cover art is... I don't know if that's good or bad, Brad. Like, what does your gut tell you about that? Uh, you know, my first gut was bad. Then I looked at it again, and I thought, you know, it's kind of good. But now that I'm looking at it again, I'm going to go with bad. Yeah, that, that's, I think, where I ended up, too. Like, I went on an emotional journey looking at this cover. <laughs> so, <laughs> at the very least, you'll get your entertainment jollies just from looking at the cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, moving on down, uh, what is this uh, Angel of Death from Full Moon Features? Uh, this is from 1987. Yeah, I believe uh, this is directed by, uh, is this the same Jess Franco that I'm thinking of, uh, or am I getting a, maybe I'm wrong. No, just forget I said anything. I thought there's a, (laughs) 
so is his name J- J- Jesus Franco or is there okay hang on I might be I mean, going crazy here it's either it's Jesus or Jesus <laughs> well because there I th- okay it might be pronounced Jess unless that's just what people call him I but, mean uh, Italian not Spanish so yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. I I don't know much about this guy but I've been hearing he's been having a lot of movies come out on uh blu-ray recently like severin put out uh some of his films and i I do believe they're very schlocky borderline pornographic at times from what i understand like a very very interesting figure apparently his stuff is pretty uh you know he takes a lot of uh yeah he's he's got a following i guess i'll say that but (laughs) i don't know much about him he's an artur of schlock I guess, yeah, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, not on my radar, but uh, the cover art for that tells me I'm in for I'm in for something schlocky. Mm-hmm. Um, beside that, we have Till Death, which is a contemporary release. It's from 2021, starring Megan Fox, uh, who seems to have slipped very comfortably into the direct-to-video action thriller uh, scene. Um, and Screen Media put out this disc. It looks like they, they put out a... a kind of a fascinating mix of product here yeah uh because they actually have a disc that i i haven't watched yet but my brother got for me as a gift um uh, memory uh, it's the documentary about the making of the the very first alien film mm-hmm. um and then they put out the void which we reviewed for catching up on cinema a while back uh the outpost which uh looks like a schlocky direct-to-video like military actioner um however i have read that it's like not half bad um, like it's it's not what its cover would suggest, as far as I understand. And they also put out the Jesus Rolls, um, which is that uh, <laughs> that uh, Big Lebowski side project that was not marketed even with with like one dollar. Like nobody heard about this thing. Like it just it was a fart in the wind. Like, oh, do you yeah. know anyone who's seen this, Brad? I want to say there's a podcast I listened to with that somebody watched it and mentioned it. But uh, I could be imagining. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's where I'm at with it. It's like I know it exists, but only because I have willed myself to remember that it exists. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I I don't I don't know any reviews for it whatsoever. So, um, till death, 2021. Um, moving on, we have what I presume is uh, a reissuing, maybe, of the Friday the Thirteenth Eight movie collection. Now, am I wrong, Brad? Are we missing a couple of movies in this box? <laughs> yes, yes, you absolutely are. Um, this is probably actually the same set. I don't know for sure, but I actually own an eight-movie collection. I'm assuming this is the same set as that one. I, I would assume this does not feature um, like the new transfers that were done for the Scream Factory complete set. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just picked like like this one. It's probably already more than what I paid. I, I picked up the eight movie set because it's super cheap, and I mean these movies—they're meant to be cheap. Like just like as much as that Scream Factory box set looks nice, I'm like, I don't know if I can upgrade for it. I mean, you would have—I'd have a couple more films, and they would look nicer. But eh, this—it gets the job done. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have it within myself to to rebuy these movies um i i have seen all of them i don't own any of them i i just have the the four-hour documentary about them which i've watched a few times because i really really enjoy it um crystal lake memories i think is what it's called um 
but that that uh that screen factory box set the packaging on that i think is the biggest selling point to be honest yeah. um do you know if they they fully corrected all the transfer issues and stuff on that one you know i, I remember at release yeah. you had mentioned that they had some serious fucking issues with that yeah i don't i i think they did i want to say i don't it might have been like there were so many that they fixed the major ones, but people are still pointing out like really small things that you wouldn't notice. But I think they offered like disc replacements for them, from what I remember. Yeah, and, they're they're generally really good about that. I mean, you've you've confirmed that as much. Like you've taken them up on that a couple times, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah, and they've sent me replacements and then asked me to mail the uh, original, the defective discs back, and I am like, why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true collector. Actually, <laughs> actually, it was. They sent me and accidentally sent me two copies of one movie. That's what it was. And they said, "Hey, can you uh, send us back uh, that one copy?" And I was like, "I thought I I didn't respond, but I thought, oh yeah, I'll get around to that." And it's like, "Oh shit, that was five months ago. I guess it's too late now." <laughs> it's like if I play dumb long enough, maybe they'll forget about me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's kind of like writing thank you cards at Christmas. Like if you put it off long enough, eventually it'll get back to christmas the next year and then you can just uh pretend like oh yeah didn't you get that thank you card i sent you 12 months ago yeah 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 <laughs> and the best part is that uh release says that blu-ray is now out of print so i have two copies of an out of print blu-ray that goes for a pretty penny so okay yeah folks at home i wish you could see brad's face he's he is pretty fucking proud of himself <laughs> <laughs> he got a one-up on the man yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, so beside that, um, we have a Blu-ray release of Lilies of the Field from 1963, which is a Sidney Poitier film. Um, apparently, it was uh, a Twilight Time release uh, at some point, and mm. this is a Kino release. Uh, I don't remember this movie at all, other than the fact that I think I had to watch it for school. Um, and Sidney Poitier is really cool. Um, <laughs> um, bopping on down, though... Uh, I'll pass the baton back to you, Brad. Uh, what's jumping out at you? Oh, well, we got to mention Profile, the latest uh, screen life film from uh, Timur Bekmanbetov, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, which I have not seen yet, but I am very much looking forward to. I, I wish I had seen this in the theater because I tell you, those screen life movies on the big screen, I know everybody's like, you got watch them on your laptop. That's what they're meant for. Watch it. And I'm like... Yeah, I, I I get that, but on the big screen where you can like just read at like you can read the smallest like font and everything, it's like so it's perfect on the big screen. Um, but uh, yeah, I will be checking this one out. I believe it's uh, something she a woman it follows her as she goes undercover in like a, a terrorist group or something. Um, so you know, doesn't quite have the uh, the horror angle of like unfriended, but. I do, I do have a soft spot for these screen life films, so I will be, I'll be checking this one out. Is that what the subgenre is called? I believe so. I, I think that's the official name, screen life. I, at least I, I've heard other people call it that. Okay, well, that's really, that's really handy because I, I didn't have the terminology to describe that before, but now I, I think I'm going to be using that going forward because uh, I, of course, know exactly what you're talking about. Basically, this is a uh, viewing a film through the perspective of a, a computer screen or a web browser, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, I have not actually watched one of these screen life films myself, but um, I do know that this director, uh, Timur Bekmambatov, uh, yeah, you got that right, Brad. Uh, he was attached to Searching. Did he direct that? 
I think he's just producing a lot of these because I think he is kind of the one that's sort of like almost like there's some sort of uh, technology they use to pull this off. And I think he's somehow is credited with like creating it. He's got something where every, every one of these he's a producer of. I've um, noticed that. I'm looking at his filmography right now and it seems like he can't make one of these without paying the man in some way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I... Uh, Interesting filmography on this guy because I know him from uh, Night Watch and Day Watch, which of course got him the the gig for Wanted, um, which is not a good film. <laughs> and then uh, he has kind of a, a spotty record in the in like in the intervening years. But then uh, Hardcore Henry, of course, came out of uh, a short that was I think produced like as maybe just like a tech demo essentially for a, a new style of cinematography and action choreography and we ended up getting a feature out of that um that wasn't directed by him but as brad said maybe somehow he's involved in the producing of a lot of these products yeah but um yeah it seems like you can't make a screen life film without him i will say this much brad uh, you do need to take a look at the poster for his first screen credit uh the arena from 2001 because that is that is some cover art right there oh boy <laughs> let me see if i can pull this up here uh yes the arena from 2001 uh, is this with the two lovely ladies in the fighting pit is that the poster yeah they don't look particularly interested in hurting each other no. and yet they're both wielding swords but yeah, yeah just the lighting is is kind of what sells it it's like it's we're gonna intentionally make this look as as stagey and awful as possible Mm -hmm. um and yet somehow despite it being from 2001 somehow it looks like it's from like 1996 or something yeah um i have seen uh some promotion uh for profile and i'm not gonna lie uh it did actually pique my interest um it did look pretty interesting um so i'm not sure if this is going to be the first one of these screen life movies i watch uh searching has a stellar reputation um, and I have heard at least one of those unfriended movies is pretty fucking fun. Uh, Brad's shaking his head. <laughs> uh, uh, the unfriended movies blow searching out of the water. Let's just say okay. that, in my okay. opinion, in my, okay. I think I'm in the minority there. But I mean, I haven't seen any of them. But yeah, I'm just going by reputation. But I would, I would go with you uh, over most cri- most critics out there. I mean, unfriended for fuck's sake, you, rocks. <laughs> okay, the first unfriended. Both of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, duly noted yeah so check them out man yeah uh when it comes to screen life films uh i guess i'll have to start my journey with unfriended because it gets a seal of approval from brad um but popping on down we have a re-release of the haunting which is a yon de bont film Uh, i've seen it more times than i'd care to admit it is not very good um but it, it had all the CGI bells and whistles that all the kids were all about in 1999, and it's about family. <laughs> like it is, the, yeah. The the end of that movie, man. It it, it uh, seldom have I seen a plot implode worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like I don't even know what we're doing right now, but sure. But it's about family. <laughs> it's like since when? <laughs> since the movie ran out of script. <laughs> Um, but beside that, we have uh, one of the more generic covers I've seen in quite a while, Occupation Rainfall, which you better fucking believe is a Lionsgate disc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
what is this uh the house next door meet the blacks too <laughs> uh, what is this cover art yeah this is a strange one i think uh meet the blacks was a horror parody film that came out like i do several remember years that. ago and i think it was like parodied the purge mainly um and apparently i guess it did well enough where they said let's at least give it a direct-to-video sequel um but yeah this is this is a strange one this is a strange one yeah proof positive that you know if you if your if your project has a certain budget range, Danny Trejo is going to show up on the set, and it's up to you whether you want to use him or not. But he's just going to show up and be like, "I'm here, folks." Just yep. so you know, yeah. <laughs> just, just I'll be I'll be right over there. I'll be around the corner if you need me. <laughs> and yeah, you better believe he made the cover. Yeah. Um, but what do we have here? Uh, is that Al Pacino? Unfortunately, yeah, yeah it is. On American <laughs> is Trader. Yeah, American Trader, The Trial of Axis Sally from Vertical Entertainment from 2021. Um these uh these folks uh Vertical Entertainment, they uh they seem to put out mostly not so good things. Um but they do seem to gravitate towards projects that have big names involved. Uh, so at least they have that going for them. They have name name brand recognition, but uh, they've been putting out the Skyline films in recent years, uh, mm. as well as uh, Tom Hardy's Capone. Um, you better believe there's a couple of uh, straight-to-video Bruce Willis releases in there. Of course. Uh, uh, as well as that uh, Ava spy film uh, with Jessica Chastain. Oh, I heard, yeah. I heard that was, like, not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it usually doesn't take a whole lot when it comes to, like, spy thrillers to get me interested and I just heard nothing but bad about that. Um, and Colin Farrell's in there, and usually he's a pretty big selling point for me personally, and I, I just couldn't be bothered with it. Yeah, avoid at all costs. Yeah. Yeah, um, and below that, uh, we have a... I'm sure this is not a good film, but I just want to point out that this, uh, this is the, the Misfits from 2021. This is a Paramount Pictures release. Uh, this is directed by Rennie Harlan. Uh, who really? we talked about not too long ago on Catching Up on Cinema in the form of uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Um, I've always had opinions about Rennie Harlan. Um, I, there's a quote that I, I'll never forget. He, he was asked like what his thesis was coming into the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and he just said, I know what teenage boys like. <laughs> and like <laughs> That's always what I think of when I think about the kind of like goofiness of his movies mm-hmm. it's like i always just remember that that's the guy who said that and you can kind of see it with the way he puts his movies together there's like a it's not an irreverence it's just like a i don't know a slightly immature outlook on things where it's, it's like we're not going to take ourselves too seriously regardless of the subject matter yeah um, yeah i can respect um, that I, as can i um in recent years as far as i know he was working in china uh like most recently, like in the past five years or so, I think he did uh, Skip Trace. With, yeah, I gotta uh, Jack- check that one out. Jackie Chan and Johnny Knoxville, I think. Yeah, maybe I'll watch it before uh, the new Jackass comes out. <laughs> yeah, I-, I forgot that that was on its way. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when that's due out? I want to say October, maybe. Oh, so right around the corner. Yeah, sometime this fall. Okay. Um, but yeah, Rennie Harlan uh, apparently has- is coming back presumably coming back this might still be a chinese finance production uh who knows uh but starring uh 
<laughs> Tim Roth is apparently the headliner, but uh, Pierce Brosnan is front and center on the cover, um, and Nick Cannon is in there somewhere. Mm. Um, no idea what this is about, although if I had to guess, it takes place in like uh, Abu Dhabi or Dubai or one of those. Um, my gut tells me this is still a Chinese production. <laughs> They're just not explicitly advertising it. You the, might be that, right. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what my gut's telling me, but we'll see. Um, but bopping right along. Uh, Black Rat from 2010, Brad. Uh, do you know anything about this? I don't. The cover is somewhat striking. I don't want to say it's good, but it definitely grabs your attention. This looks... Uh, is it animated? Is it... An- is it... Um, it doesn't appear to be animated, um, but parts of that cover do look almost like cell shaded. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Um, this is a Japanese film. Um, let's see who, who is directing this. Uh, Kenta Fukusaku, who looks like they were attached to at least. Uh, oh, the writer of the first Battle Royale and assistant director on Battle Royale Two. Mm. Uh, so did some cool shit in the early 2000s and then not a whole lot in the interim so doesn't speak well to the quality of it i gotta tell you though i'm loving this premise here let me just read this premise this is this is like straight up unfriended right here we got six classmates receive an email from asuka who supposedly committed suicide later that night they all get together in a classroom and are surprised by a person wearing a bloody rat mask the, co- the costumed rat quickly begins attacking them while screaming, this is revenge for Asuka's death. I mean, that's that's right up my alley right there. That sounds great. Yeah, uh, I, it's a it's an interesting premise. Uh, <laughs> de- the, the, the devil is in the details, though. You know, execution yeah. is everything. But yeah, uh, if if I was like scrolling through Shudder or something and I saw that as a description and if, if I could see the details of what the mask looked like or if I saw like a a teaser that promised some cool gore or something sure put it on yeah uh have you seen the battle royale films brad uh just the first one yeah you don't need to watch the second one (laughs) (laughs) that's what i've heard yeah yeah but um yeah that apparently from 2010 curious why it would come out now but um moving on uh beside that we have finding you uh which is a lionsgate disc uh it's a 2021 release um holy shit brad (laughs) blast from the past uh tom everett scott is listed among the cast really makes me that makes me so fucking happy i miss that guy yeah so this is what he's up to nowadays the last time i saw him was in a jean-claude van damme film called uh, enemies closer wherein tom everett scott uh exchanges blows with orlando jones aka the make seven up yours guy yeah <laughs> um, so so make seven up yours and american werewolf and paris guy have to battle jean-claude van damme um but yeah that was the last time i saw tom everett scott that was probably in like the early 2010s or something um but man he had his moment in the late 90s and i am so baffled why he didn't become like tom hanks too or something because he was firmly positioned to be to be exactly that and he had the goods man he's super talented yeah sometimes Uh, that's just that's how hollywood rolls man it's 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 luck you gotta have that luck yeah i i was thoroughly impressed with with everything he i everything i saw him in 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 that that short stretch of time but then he just bamfed out of existence but um 
Yeah, I have no fucking clue what this movie is, but it's directed by Brian Baugh. Uh, it looks like uh, indie schlock, and it most likely is indie schlock. Young adult <laughs> indie schlock. Hey, 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 hey. So totally not for me, but, you know, Tom Everett Scott, man. <laughs> um, popping on down, though. Uh, what else you got, Brad? Anything jumping out at you? Not for this week now. Okay, well, um, I'll point out the uh, the magnificent Kotobuki, the movie. Uh, this is from Sentai Filmworks. Uh, they generally put out very solid discs. Um, one thing we generally don't do a whole lot of on Catching Up on Blu-ray is uh, talk about anime releases, largely because there's so goddamn many of them from week to week that it's just impossible to keep track of. And I've been out of the game for... A decade plus so i have no fucking clue what's important or what's a prominent release or not i just want to point out that uh i was almost interested in watching this movie almost uh until i watched the trailer and i, I saw the animation style and i was just like ah you can keep it like it just cgi is one of those things that it's a it's it's creeped its way into japanese animation and it's here to stay and it's just like I, I, I do my old man harumph when I when I see it used to excess from time to time where it's just like and, and back in my day you had to walk fifteen miles in the snow to get your animes. <laughs> but yeah, it, it I I love airplanes. I, I love do, like dog fighting stuff, like that kind of like I was raised on the top gun. So I was intrigued by the premise, but then I watched a little bit of the animation in the form of the trailer and i was like yeah i'm, I'm good <laughs> um but we have a uh, an off an off day release uh, in the form of uh an august 11th release for something called don't fuck in the woods <laughs> which absolutely required me to to single it out because my god that title <laughs> yeah i like how the 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 picture uploaded to blu-ray.com is not like official cover art it's like a, a picture of just an actual blu-ray like yeah the case. It, it, it's something that some jackass uh they put the blu-ray on their floor uh and then took a picture of it but then they fucked up the light source so it's like half glare yeah <laughs> so it's barely view, it's barely visible but uh the creature on the cover looks kind of neat kind of pumpkin head-esque um i don't know a damn thing about this movie but i kind of love that title <laughs> it's a good title it got it got your attention yeah yeah it absolutely did but um it says horror pack exclusive number 62 but i can't find any information about the publisher um it looks like gravitas ventures uh put out a maybe a previous iteration of the same film or maybe just a, a previous printing or something but anyway there's a movie called don't fuck in the woods and it's from 2016 uh, but let's scroll on down to the next week, August 17th, and right out the gate, Brad, we have one just for you uh, and your collecting habit. You want to let the folks at home know what I'm alluding to here? It's the next film in the uh, Vesteron Video Collectors series. It is the, the one collection series where I own, I think it's probably the one, the only one, where I own every single release from this line, uh, partly because they are numbered on the spines and partly because... Uh, the releases only come out every so often, and they're quite affordable. So, um, yeah, I have all these Vestron films. Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat is the one coming out uh, for this particular week. 
Uh, I don't know too much about it. I do know it has uh, Bruce Campbell. Um, and is it is it David Carradine? Am I, am yeah, I, okay. I, I get Bruce and David mixed up very yep. often. But yeah, it's David. Um, yeah, I think it's just a, somewhat of a, like a vampire horror comedy. Um, I think the cover, I, the artwork on this is making it look a lot better than I think the film actually is. Um, I'm looking at, I looked at some like images on IMDb and, uh, I'm like, oh, this actually looks pretty not great. Um, you know, the, the cover, the artwork on this Blu-ray makes it kind of seem like, uh, you know, maybe it's like a bit of an underseen forgotten gem cause I'd never heard of this, but, uh, I'll be picking it up no matter what. Yeah, you gotta get. It's got a number on the spine, man. You gotta keep it up. I mean, it's only twelve bucks. Come on. That I mean, that's that's a selling point, man. Um, and you know, it could be a lot of fun. It could like, be. You, you never know. I mean, it's from the same director as Waxwork. Oh, um, okay. See, I did not know that. Yeah, and apparently he's directed at least two Dolph Lundgren films, which is always a good sign. Um, as well as uh, Hellraiser 3, which is kind of the start of that franchise's descent into schlock, but it's it's still not, like, outright bad yet. Like, it's definitely, like, we're on the downward trend, but it's, it, we're not... We're shooting CDs at people to kill them, but, but we're not totally in the dumpsters yet. But um, And then uh, he also directed one of the Warlock films, which is forever this enigmatic franchise. It's like... There's there's fan there's a phantasm and warlock, um, in my mind because like walking up and down the aisles at the grocery store like VHS rental booth, like I I just remember the cover art for so many of these old horror movies and phantasm was one of the covers that always jumped out at me but then there was also warlock where, good old Julian Sands he's just mean mugging you and there's like three different movies and he's consistently mean mugging you across all those titles. And yet, to this day, I still haven't watched any of them. So, like, I have no fucking clue what those movies are. Yeah. But I think I think I owe it to myself to just, like, put put one of them on one of these days and just get to the bottom of what Julian Sands is so mad at me about. <laughs> well, they are part of the Vestron line, so you can pick them up. Uh, the, they got the whole Warlock collection in the Vestron Video Collector series. Oh, shit. Well, I only own one Vestron title at, at the moment, Brad, and that would be the Wraith. But um, may, maybe, maybe if you keep poking at me, I'll, I'll get on the Vestron train with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, besides Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat, we have a 4K release of Labyrinth, um, which I don't believe this is debuting on the format. Uh, yeah, no, we I, had a we had a Sony book? Pictures release. Uh, yeah, this is all Digibook 35th Anniversary Edition. Okay, I think before though, didn't it come out in a steelbook? Was like, was that the previous? Uh, it looks like we had just a, a standard plastic clamshell Sony Pictures 30th okay. anniversary edition. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, now this is a movie that Kyle, uh, my regular co-host on Catching Up on Cinema, has consistently been on my case about watching uh, because like, apparently this was like a big hit in his household, like like important film for his childhood. And yet this is one of those movies that just completely passed me by. Just never saw it. Um, all through like high school and college, I remember a lot of other kids like singing the songs to each other and like really having a lot of special memories uh, attached to this film. But yeah, for whatever reason, I just it just never came to my home. Uh, have you seen it, Brett? Yeah, I've seen it several times. Um, I don't know. It's one that I, I feel like I, I know a lot of people who are like Kyle who love it. Um, I didn't really grow up with it, so like you know, I, I appreciate a lot of the the puppetry and the effects, but 
I don't know, I hate to say it, but I always kind of just end up getting pretty bored by the end of this movie. And every time I watch it, I'm going to be like, okay, this will be the time where I fall. I'm like, okay, Labyrinth is amazing. I love it. And uh, every time I kind of just end up getting kind of bored by the end. But uh, I will say I haven't watched it in the last probably six, seven years. So it's it's time. I'll, I'll give it another poke. Yeah, I'm not about to blind buy it. I'm I'm not in a place where I, I feel like I'm prepared to do that. But I I probably should see this. In fact, this would be a good movie to watch with my girlfriend because uh, she likes David Bowie. She she loves musicals, and there's quite a few musical numbers yeah. in this film. Uh, and I know for a fact she probably hasn't seen this. So um, maybe it's something we can tackle together. Mm-hmm. We'll probably have a lot of fun with it. You know, get some '80s cheese in there, but. Um, I'm curious, have you seen The Dark Crystal? I have seen The Dark Crystal, and that one, I can't remember if it was a rewatch or if it, I think it might have been a first-time watch. I watched it for the first time fairly recently to coincide with uh, the TV show that came out, and uh, I, I liked The Dark Crystal, so it makes me think maybe I would like Labyrinth more, um, but The Dark Crystal, it's you know it's a little darker, so that might have been why I kind of worked for me a little better. Um, but, you know, like you said, Labyrinth... If your girlfriend is a big fan of David Bowie, it's a good one to put on. Uh, definitely a better David Bowie film to watch with your girlfriend than Twin Peaks uh, Fire Walk With Me. Um, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, maybe not. I guess I don't know what your girlfriend's into, but. I mean, that, that, that'd that be some heavy watching right yeah. there. <laughs> and, you know, like, as soon as he steps out of the opening scenes or whatever, she'd be like, is he going to come back? And like, Sorry. <laughs> that was it. That was that it. That was it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I actually haven't seen The Dark Crystal either. Um, so I haven't seen either of uh, Jim Henson's big big features from that, that particular era. Um, yeah. But I certainly owe it to myself to check both of them out because, as, as Kyle has often said, like, puppets, man, <laughs> they're, they're, a, they're a selling point. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. And, yes, they most certainly are, especially as we trend further and further away from them. Uh, in the world of like special effects technology and stuff yeah. like puppets man there's there's a charm that comes with them um and both of those movies are some of the like grandest exhibitions of what you could do with puppetry um, mm-hmm. and in interacting with live action live actors but yeah definitely something i i got to check out real soon but uh, beside that we have the hitman's wife's bodyguard on 4k and blu-ray now brad the hitman's bodyguard was was that any what 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 the fuck was that because because i know it exists i know it's a movie but i think it was uh what (laughs) just just what (laughs) i i have not seen either of these films because uh i'm not a huge ryan reynolds fan um nothing against him but i just he's not not my favorite or anything um uh, but I do believe uh, Hitman's Bodyguard was uh, at least number one at the box office the, the first weekend it came out. I think it was a surprise hit. So uh, I guess it's not a surprise they did a sequel. The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. I'm not crazy about that title. Um, and uh, I really have heard, heard nothing about this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely like surprised the cover if it didn't have Ryan Reynolds on it you would think this looks like a direct-to-video piece of garbage, honestly. Um, and I'm sure it, it probably is at the level of a direct-to-video piece of garbage, but it did come out theatrically. 
Well, apparently Ryan Reynolds has has enough box office cachet that like he he can sell a, a film. Um, I was actually intrigued by the. I, I don't care about the movie at all, even though I have heard it's very good. Um, but just the the marketing techniques, like the the new approach to marketing that we saw with that Free Guy movie, mm-hmm. um, very interesting stuff. Where we've we've entered into a new realm of marketing, where it's like, huh? It's like all the all these like streamer personalities and stuff, all these Instagram models and stuff. They all have like built in audiences, right? And it's like. So all we have to do is like put them in front of a green screen and have them say "Yay, free guy," and then like they'll do all of our our publicity for us because they're telling all their fans that they did a thing in a in a movie that doesn't even matter if it's good or not. It's just a movie. <laughs> so it's it, I was intrigued by that, but apparently Ryan Reynolds can still sell a fucking movie. Oh yeah, um, big hit, big hit. Yeah, um, and. Uh, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, uh, I will say this much, is directed by Patrick Hughes, who name means absolutely nothing to me, but uh, apparently he directed Expendables 3. Um, so I guess he has a lot of uh, experience working with older action personalities. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this movie is on the level of like a direct-to-video actioner, but you know... Hopefully it's inoffensive, good fun, but not anything I'd be in a hurry to watch. But uh, beside that, we have a magnet release of uh, Writers of Justice, which of course stars everybody's favorite Dane, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, Brad, uh, I take it you've seen this film. I don't recall if you reviewed it yet. Yeah, we didn't do a main review. I think I did talk about it um, briefly on the show. But uh, yeah, this I really liked Writers of Justice. I will say this is a horrendous cover. This cover, it's clear they're trying to sell this as an action film. They Lionsgated it. <laughs> yeah, they really did. And like this is nothing like the movie. I mean, there are a few action scenes, but I mean, this, you know, a lot of the marketing was kind of making it seem like almost like a John Wick sort of revenge thing. I mean, even just the, the tagline here, someone is going to pay like <laughs> That is, I mean, that's kind of, it's not wrong, but it's, it's so not what this movie is. This is a way more interesting film that deals with grief and the idea of fate and random chance and tragedy. And there is some action in it, but it uh, definitely is a lot better than this cover makes it seem. So if you're wanting a dumb action movie, definitely go to the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Um, But Riders of Justice is a a really good film with a, a few good action scenes in it. Yeah, uh, I saw a trailer for this film and I was intrigued. Uh, the the tone looked really fascinating. Where it's like it, you could see how they were kind of spinning parts of it to to be like a, a typical like revenge actioner, but then there's like this sense of like ominous foreboding that kind of suggests that I don't know if this is justified. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know I don't know if any of these people are in the right mind. Um, and it, it has this really disarming quality to it that made it really fascinating to, to look at. Um, I'd very much like to see this movie because, mm-hmm. of course, he's a acting treasure. Um, he can't touch a project without it being at least elevated somewhat. Um, I've heard very good things about this. I'd very much like to see it. But um, beside that, any reason why we need a Harry Potter 4K right now, Brad? I don't know because I'm pretty sure these have all already been released on 4K, so... I fucking this, hope so. <laughs> this is just, it says it's a Best Buy Steelbook 
and it says magical movie mode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever that means. Yeah, so for the what the two people out there who the Sorcerer's Stone is the one Harry Potter film that they, they absolutely need to own. None of the others, just Sorcerer's Stone. Or Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you're from. Uh, yeah, uh, Steelbook coming out exclusively through Best Buy. Um, we have another Criterion release of original cast album, uh, quote, Company. Uh, this is from 1970. It's only 53 minutes long. Uh, a chronicle of the intense 18-hour recording session of celebrated composer Stephen Sondheim's landmark musical, Company which features the original 1970 Broadway cast members. Wow, that's kind of interesting. And it is Criterion, so it's probably worth your time. Probably has a lot of really neat supplemental features attached to it. Uh, We have a Warner Archive collection release of In the Good Old Summertime from 1949. Um, And then we have yet another printing of Rad. On Blu-ray from 1986. What the fuck is up with this movie? <laughs> it's like it's it's the BMX movie from the 1980s. I didn't grow up with this, but I will say this much: uh, the soundtrack is definitely right up my alley. Um, "Thunder in Your Heart" is quite the banger, as the kids would call it. Uh, I absolutely love that track. I have no desire to watch this movie because you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out myself right now, Brad. I don't even know how to ride a fucking bike. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, interesting. Okay. Therefore, therefore, a film entirely centered around the idea of riding bikes doesn't really appeal to me all that much, <laughs> um, even with that soundtrack. But uh, we, that is a Mill Creek release. Um, previously, I think it was handled by different publishers. And I think it, it did come, I it did come out on 4K. Right? On 4K? I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a Vinegar Syndrome release previously, and then Milk Creek apparently picked it up. And they also picked up the rights to Gridman, the Hyper Agent from 1993, which I have been watching for the past two weeks, Brad. Mm. Um, I do own this box set. This is all 39 episodes of the 1993 Japanese television series uh, done in the tokusatsu style of like Ultraman from the same studio. Um, this was released in the U.S. under the name, um, they Power Rangered it, so they took all the Japanese special effects footage and then, uh, edited in, uh, American acting foot, like, drama footage, um, and it was released in the States as Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, um, featuring one of those kids from Boy Meets World or whatever, um, which is a show I didn't actually grow up with, but, um, I... I am really enjoying my time with this. Um, Too much so, in fact, because this is made for, like, really little kids. And it's from 1993, and it involves computers and the internet as a core subject matter. (laughs) So you better believe the science is 100% factual. (laughs) Um, It's it's so much fun, though. Like, the dated special effects technology, like, the, the style of editing, the music cues, it's... This is it's like a security blanket in television form. Mm-hmm. It's like you know exactly what you're getting every episode. If you cut out the commercial breaks and like recaps of previous episodes, the episodes are like 20 minutes long. Perfect. <laughs> so so I can watch one of these fucking episodes on my lunch break and still have time to eat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Um yeah, I've been having quite a bit of fun with this and for whatever reason Mill Creek has like the Ultraman franchise just on lock. So um, say what you will about uh, the quality of their releases. When they're putting out television series from the 90s, 
uh, that don't require a whole lot of cleaning up or supplemental features, it's just fine. And the, the price point is hard to beat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a uh, Shutter original release of a Stay Out of the Attic from 2021. Now, Brad is one of those folks that has a Shutter account, so I'm going to ask you, Brad, have you heard of this one? Uh, that would be a big negatory right there. <laughs> um, but uh, the premise actually is a little intriguing. I feel like I say that every time one of these comes up, but uh, a group of ex-con movers, ex-cons turned movers are convinced by their creepy client to pull an all-nighter. As the night progresses, they uncover the horrors that exist inside his old Victorian mansion. You know, pretty straightforward stuff, but I could see it being, uh, you know, I kind of I kind of like that setup. Kind of reminds me of uh, Session 9 a little bit, which uh, I've had on the brain lately. Although they, they weren't ex-cons, but they were uh, just like I don't know, cleaners or I can't, don't even remember. But that's a good movie. That's I like that movie. No, wait! Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's the only thing people remember from that movie. But that is a good movie. <laughs> yeah, that is the only thing I remember from that movie. <laughs> My brother had me watch that a long time ago uh, because he he advertised it to me as a, a very good, actually horrific horror film. Mm-hmm. Like, it actually gets under your skin. And, uh, you know, in the, in the moment... Yeah, I I was feeling kind of scared, and then that happened. Yeah, then they let then they let David Caruso do some of that acting shit, and the whole thing went down the toilet. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what happened with that, but uh... it was in such a pivotal moment in the story. So, no, wait, fuck you in the camera angle. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's great. Yeah, uh... pushing is great. Yeah, folks at home, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that to promote this episode of Catching Up on Blu-ray. I'm gonna dig up that clip. Yeah, I'm gonna throw it up on the Instagram and on the Twitter. And if none of y'all care, then none of y'all have souls. Moving right along, we have a uh, Blu-ray release of For Fuck's Sake, the Care Bears Movie Two: A New Generation. Uh, so very similar to the Transformers movie, this was a very bold-faced move in the form of you know rebooting the cast so instead of just care bears now we have to have straight up just care animals so like a care lion mm. a care penguin and all, a care unicorn all this shit um i did i did i don't think i had a care bear but i did watch the care bears when okay. I was a child i did like the part where they would stare at the the monster or whatever and shoot laser beams out of their tummies <laughs> that was kind of cool <laughs> that was like Every episode, I was just waiting for that because I could not give two shits, even as a child, as to what the Care Bears did with their lives. <laughs> but then whenever they'd shoot laser beams out of their stomach, I'd be like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing... I have seen this movie, Brad, by the way. Um, I didn't own it or anything. I haven't seen it a whole lot, but I do remember that, like, I think it's like the last few minutes of the movie has this, like, really bizarre moment that I want to say has been replicated in a lot of, like, like youth oriented films have been seeing in recent years mm-hmm. where basically it's like a, an important character is injured or like down for the count and the care bears like look directly into the camera and say like we need the we need you the audience to like blues clues this oh, shit and yeah. start talking to the tv and they're like T- tell us you care <laughs> and they do that for like five minutes and they just keep repeating the phrase like we care or something and they're 
they're prompting the audience to respond to the drama that's unfolding on the screen. And anytime I see shit like that happen in movies, I always think of this movie where I'm just like, oh my God, they're doing some fucking Care Bear shit. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, like, they probably should just straight up rip it off entirely and just literally break the fourth wall and look directly in the camera and have like Chris Pratt or whatever as Star-Lord be like, dude, like, only you can bring back Iron Man. Tell us you care. <laughs> <laughs> bruh (laughs) yeah if only we could have brought him back if only (sighs) yeah all the money in the world still couldn't keep him around but um what do we have here brad um discovery of witches appears to be a series of some sort maybe a season two uh the waterman appears to be certified fresh uh this is from rlj entertainment from 2020 um oh Directed by David Oyelowo, mm, uh, who okay. I didn't—I I, I didn't this, know yeah. he was a director. Yeah. I didn't know he was a director. Um, I know him principally as an actor. Uh, he is featured on the cover, so I guess he's in it too. Uh, also featuring Rosario Dawson, Maria Bello, Alfred Molina, who's poised for a comeback now that we've all seen that Spider-Man teaser. Um, and is that Amia or Amaya Miller, uh, aka the little girl from War? for the planet of the apes not that really means anything to me but (laughs) uh, i have no fucking clue what this movie is but uh they they know how to balance their blues and their oranges for their cover art to make it instantly like indisputably intriguing to your eyeballs (laughs) Mm -hmm. blue and orange brad blue and orange all day long yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know much about this. I feel like David Oyelowo. David Oyelowo. I feel like he kind of. I don't know. Like I kind of like the guy, and it seems like he's good in a lot of things. But I feel like he kind of like just gets screwed over. I don't. I. You know what I mean? Like, because he was, was the guy. A, it was the marketing for that Gringo movie. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, that that, think, po- that poster did him no favors, man. No, yeah, that was a flop. <laughs> I mean, I, he was in the Cloverfield Paradox, which everyone hated. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he got screwed over. I think he, yeah, he missed out on the Oscar nomination for Selma, which mm-hmm. a lot of people were pissed about. I mean, this guy just keeps, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for the guy and uh, his d- big directorial film, this Water Man uh never even heard of this thing like this guy he's, i don't know i don't know yeah it appears to be going direct to video um but hey i mean he's still working he he got bumped up to director so maybe he's not done yet man yeah but i guess yeah, yeah yeah but yeah you're absolutely right uh he has had quite a bumpy road uh, despite having some pretty prominent and juicy roles he just really has never gotten the credit for any of it mm-hmm. um and beside that we have bingo 1991 sony pictures that's about all i have to say about bingo Uh, speaking (laughs) of not getting the credit they deserve bingo (laughs) criminally underrated bingo (laughs) um but beside that we have a film that uh i i only know because uh, brad had mentioned it on i think it was his most recent episode of the cinema speak uh the truffle hunters from 2020 uh now is this a documentary I do believe it is, yeah. It follows a guy and his dog who hunt for truffles, I guess. Um, and uh, the the pull quote on the uh, cover claims it is among the greatest dog movies. So prepare to have your heart break, I'm guessing. I mean, come on. 
Well, if you if you're making a documentary, and I I don't know this, so this might not be spoiler, but if you're filming a documentary about a man and his dog, you know you're gonna wait until that dog dies before you finish filming. I mean, come on, let's let's be honest here. Yeah, I mean that's that's usually where where my instincts lead me when it comes to dog movies is I, I just assume something bad is gonna happen to that dog, <laughs> but. Um, but then you have Bingo, where I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure, like, if you want a happy dog movie, I, I don't think you have to worry about, you know, Bingo getting run over by a steamroller. Bingo doesn't die in that one? I mean, I hope not. <laughs> look, how, look how happy he is. <laughs> happy dogs don't die, Brad. Um, yeah, it, I, the release of it is timely, being as a pig is gobbling yeah. up a lot of critical acclaim in this moment. So yeah. that's that that's probably been sitting on a shelf somewhere. And then they're like, "Ooh, pigs, kind of a thing. Maybe right. we should put out that Truffle Hunter movies." Um, beside that, we have Midnight Diner, which is a. Uh, oh wait, is this no different fella? There are too many Tony Lungs in uh in Chinese cinema. By the way. I'll just say that much. <laughs> uh, there's there's the one that's in the Shang-Chi movie uh, that is coming out very soon, the Marvel film. Uh, but then there's another Tony Leung uh, who also does acting and directing. Uh, critically acclaimed film, The Midnight Diner. I've heard good things. Uh, bouncing on down, we have, that's another dog on the cover. Uh, Little Q from Well Go. Um, in Hong Kong, China. No, the other Hong Kong. <laughs> Grumpy pastry chef Lee is losing his sight because of eye disease. A guide a guide dog named Little Q comes to him. Okay, so I'm guessing this is adorable until it's not. <laughs> but, um, beside that, we have Rogue Hostage, which is not a Lionsgate film. It is, in fact, a vertical entertainment film. Wow. Uh, the font had me a little fooled there, but we got Tyrese... And John Malkovich in some sort of action thriller, presumably. I guess Malkovich is a man. What the fuck happened to Malkovich? Like, like he started working with like Peter Berg and like Michael Bay, and and then he just he just kept riding along that rail, man. Yeah, his comeback's not going to come until that movie comes out in like what twenty one hundred or whatever it is when that movie comes out in a hundred years. Have you heard about that? <laughs> I don't know, Brad. Maybe you should let the folks at home know. I it's I think it's Robert Rodriguez, I believe. Him and Rob Rod uh, shot a film together that's not going to come out for like a hundred years. I think it's a it's a hundred, right? Not a thousand. Maybe it's a thousand. I actually haven't heard this story. So. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They yeah, shot a fill film. Me in, fill me in. And uh, they just it will not be released for until like everybody that is around now is dead. I, I want to say a thousand seems too much, but. I feel like a hundred cause I could make it to like when it, well, I mean, it'd be tough, but there's, there's a ch- Like I would have a chance, a very small chance cause it came out, you know, five, six, seven years ago, but, uh, it, it was probably a hundred, but yeah, it's kind of a weird experiment. So that's when his comeback will happen when that film comes out. Um, which I mean, it is a cool idea. It kind of pisses me off a little bit because I'm like, I know this movie's gonna suck, but I kind of want to see it. Like, it just yeah, it's, I can't have it, so I want to see it. Yeah, uh, that's that's intriguing. I hadn't yeah. heard about the a, a time capsule movie. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not sure what the strategy would be for like trying to survive for that date. It's like, do you need to have more or less rain energy drink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the movie is literally called One Hundred Years. And it will come out in two thousand uh, twenty one fifteen, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a 
kind of a strange idea. Not sure if it'll be a worthwhile effort, but none of them will be alive to see it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, whatever, man. Whatever makes you happy. But yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened to John Malkovich, but yeah, he was in Transformers 3, which we talked about, um, and then uh, Mile 22, and he just been doing that kind of shit lately like it's it's like it's like he had too much fun on the set of like red or something he's just mm-hmm. like you know what i think i'm just gonna do these these kind of movies from now on um yeah uh, he's a, he's a far cry from what he once was That's, yeah that much is true it's a bummer it's a bummer yeah um i kind of love this uh cover art uh for the rebels of pt 218 uh, we have billy it's it's straight up just says billy baldwin wow not even trying for William, just Billy, uh, who's looking more and more like Daniel <laughs> with every tick of the clock. Uh, Eric Roberts and Danny Trejo. Um, damn, that is quite the assembly of uh, rugged-faced individuals. I mean, yeah, they look... I mean, I don't want to be rude, but they do not look good on this cover. I mean... <laughs> I mean, and they've been touched up, too. Yeah. <laughs> and and, it, and they were most certainly not in the same room together when they took that photo. <laughs> like, Eric Roberts literally looks like he's at his own wake on this cover. Like, he is... He is looking not not the best. Yeah, his eyes kind of have that glazed over look where he's just like, they cut me my check. (laughs) No, I'm sure what they did was like they they put him in like a company car, not a limo. Like they don't have money for that. Just like some some Uber or something. And they said, Eric, could you put on this hat? And he was like, no. (laughs) So they're like, oh, it's okay. We can Photoshop it in later. So this is probably like a cell phone photo they took from him like yeah <laughs> after he was medicated and in an uber on the way home from the studio yeah like after the last adr session or something um yeah i, I kind of love that cover though it just it just makes me smile it tickles me in just the right way um but bopping on down we have a title that i want to single out uh kind of similar to how i did that michael jai white one uh, we have something called fast vengeance uh which appears to feature dmx uh, last time i saw him was in fuck i can't remember the title but i saw him in a steven seagal movie it was a reuniting of dmx and steven seagal because they had previously worked together on exit wounds mm. uh, in the early 2000s um yeah i just wanted to point out that uh this film features dy sow uh who is not a household name not even for me i didn't know who the fuck this person was but uh, I pulled them up on IMDb, and apparently they're poised to have... They're, they're like, just about to start doing some shit in Hollywood. Um, they served as, like, a stunt person on the Shang-Chi movie um, and many other prominent Hollywood productions. Apparently they worked very closely with, with the cast of Shang-Chi. Um, so I would, I would expect this person to have some bigger things on the horizon. Like so, this movie, part of the timing for the release might be trying to capitalize on that. Um, but I do think it's funny that um, I think is that that is Bai Ling. <laughs> Bai Ling always used to be like the sign, like the sign of like what kind of production you were dealing with. Yeah. Um, she had a stretch where she would just appear in the damnedest of places, and every every time you'd see her, it's like ah, that's what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> Um, but then, you know, for every one of those, she also had, like, a a Wild Wild West or something like that. Not mm-hmm. not that that's highbrow entertainment by any means. But, <laughs> um, but let's bop on down to August 24th. 
Um, and right out the gate, we have an arrow release of uh, Cat 09 Tales on 4K. Um, is this one known to you, Brad? This is an Argento film. Yep, I've seen this one. Uh, I own the Blu-ray. Uh, definitely lesser Argento. I mean, it was still... It was early in his career, so it wasn't, like, lesser, like, in his later, you know, present-day lesser Argento. But uh, for me, it wasn't, like, as good. I think it came between... Well, there was uh, The Bird of the Crystal Plumage, then Cat of Nine Tails, and then Four Flies on Gray Velvet, I believe is the title, which that one still has not gotten, like, a major release. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one definitely I didn't like it as much as Bird of the Crystal Plumage. Um, but it's still worth checking out. I think the Blu-ray is probably going to be good enough on this one. Like, this this isn't Deep Red or Suspiria. Like, I don't think I need this one on 4K. So I'll, I'll just stick with the uh, Blu-ray I have, which looks very nice. Okay, well said. Um, beside that, we have a blue underground uh, 4K release of Two Evil Eyes. Uh, this is also Dario Argento, but um, George Romero mm-hmm. is also listed as director. Is this like a, a twofer? Yeah, I think they each did like, uh, it looks like it's a two-hour film, so they each did like one, a one-hour sort of film, essentially, and it's, you know, two two stories put together. Um, so, yeah, this is another one. Like, I'm kind of glad I didn't buy it when it first came out because it came out, uh, you know, way back from like Blue Underground. I think it was Blue Underground. Um, that put it out originally as well. And I think you had to buy it with the uh, soundtrack or something. And I was like, like fuck, I really don't want to bu- spend the money for the sound. Like, fuck, can I just like buy the Blu-ray? Um, so I don't know if this 4K, I haven't looked into it, if it comes with the soundtrack or whatnot. But uh, it's one that I have not seen. And, you know, two great horror filmmakers. So I definitely want to check it out. Man, the, the Romero estate is uh, is bopping these days <laughs> his grandkids want that money i guess so because like his like for a guy who's been dead for a while he sure is busy <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> um beside that we have a film I, I don't remember if you did a full review for this um or if you just commented on on the cinema speak but we have the conjuring three the devil made me do it on 4k um did uh did you see this one brad yeah, I did. This was this was an HBO Max simultaneous release, so I did uh, I did have to do a full review of it. Unfortunately, uh, not good. It's bland horror garbage. Avoid at all costs. the the uh, t- The Blu-ray cover, the 4K cover, is almost as bland as the rest of the movie. So that should tell you something. Yeah, I was about to say it's not exactly an intriguing cover. Yeah, like it really doesn't tell me anything. Uh, it's not compelling in any way, really. Uh, I think I saw the first one of these movies, but I didn't keep up with the franchise, um, so I don't really have much attachment to it. But uh, yeah, I was I was bummed to hear that this third one is straight up kind of not good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and what what, do you, what would you say the ratio is for the for the HBO Max director? like from theater releases like in terms of good versus bad like are we on a positive trend or is it like are they just dumping shit in our laps i'd say we're definitely negative i'd say definitely yeah definitely negative i'm trying like i did like the suicide squad um uh judas and the black messiah was good but that that one's kind of an outlier i don't even know if you should i mean you know because that that was never going to be like a huge blockbuster um but yeah, overall, I'd say most of them have been pretty lame, um, and maybe that's just like mentally, it's like, oh, this is just a 
streaming movie. Maybe it's if I did have to go to see these in theaters, maybe I would elevate them a little, but I, I don't think so. I think they're just they've all been pretty bad for the most part. Yeah, I haven't watched all of them, but yeah, I, my gut tells me you're probably right, Brad. But <clears throat> uh, beside The Conjuring, we have a Severin Films release of Overboard from 1987 featuring everybody's favorite uh, not-married couple, uh, <laughs> Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Um, we have Prince of the City, which is a uh, Warner Archive collection release uh, from 1981. Um, and then what else we got here? Uh, we have Return to Salem's Lot. Uh Evil Dead Trap. Uh, this appears to be a Japanese film. It's a unearthed films release. Uh, I'm looking at their other catalog of releases. Uh, they do a lot of Japanese releases. Uh, they have The Untold Story, which is a, a Blu-ray that I came this close to buying at a, a secondhand store just the other day. Ah. Um, as well as a lot of a lot of like heavy horror movies like a serbian film and uh, a japanese film called brutal um interesting interesting publisher uh i don't own any of their releases but um i very well may end up picking up that untold story disc because it, it was for a reasonable price um and it's been a while since i've seen that movie that that's a that's a pretty uh pretty rough hong kong uh not well i guess it's a horror film but it's a it's like a serial killer story mm-hmm. um, featuring uh, Anthony Wong, who's everybody's favorite psychopath, a fantastic actor. He has the best eyebrows. Um, <laughs> uh, moving right along, we have uh, another Criterion release of Ashes and Diamonds from 1958. Uh, not a film that's known to me, but again, Criterion, probably worth your time. Uh, we have an MDVD release of uh, One Dark Night from 1982. Uh, get oh directed by Tom McLaughlin yeah I I generally like him uh, he's he kind of has like a irreverent quality to him uh, he does like his movies have a fun energy to them um, he did uh, Friday the 13th 6 um, that was that was kind of the big one that I know him for but okay apparently he like was like a trained mime or something that was something that I remember from really? the, the from the Friday the 13th um, documentary, the uh, Crystal Lake Memories documentary. Like, yeah, Tom McLaughlin, he's like a trained mime or something. He's a very interesting fella. Like, hmm. I'd be curious to know more about him. But um, we have The Cannibal Man from 1972. This is also a Severin Films disc. Um, any interest in this one, Brad? Um, no, I remember when this... Uh they, when they announced this month's releases, I kind of was sort of ambivalent on all of them. And I thought Overboard was an odd choice for uh, Severin, but, I mean, I guess I guess you got to pay the bills somehow. But, uh, yeah, I don't know too much about any of these releases from them this other than Overboard. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll pick these up. But, hey, when it comes to the next sale, who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really know any of them other than, like you said, Overboard. I definitely saw that in the grocery store uh, VHS uh, corner. Um, but the other Severin release uh, for this month is uh, No One Heard the Scream from 1973. Uh, we also have another MVD disc, uh, The Dark from 1979. Not sure why that uh, swamp man is shooting laser beams out of his eyeball, but sure, why not? Uh 
what else we got here? Um, now, Brad, is is that Harvey Keitel on uh, the Lansky cover? Apparently, uh, I would not have known that if it didn't say his name on the cover. Because uh, I mean, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to assume that's a. It's like a Meyer Lansky movie. Uh, that would, of course, be the the Jewish mobster uh, that was tied in with Lucky Luciano. That's my assumption, mm. uh, unless there's a different prominent Lansky out there. But yeah, that is that is Harvey Keitel again, uh, photographed with an iPhone um, from an Uber. <laughs> it doesn't even look like that. It looks like somebody called his name in a grocery store and they caught him turning around and. Put it put it this way, folks. You can actually like it's not often you can just look at a photo and hear it, but he's totally going, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, got to mention the movie star is Sam Worthington. Or at oh, least every- <laughs> he's credited. He's credited. I guess I don't know if he stars, but oh wow, everybody's favorite uh, Sky Marine. Yeah, um, man, that guy had like two minutes where he was. They wanted him to be hot, and he just you know. You know, you he just he just didn't have it. You know, just, well, just because James Cameron says you're the guy doesn't mean you're the guy. I'd be I'd be pissed if I was him. I mean, it's like James, buddy. I've been waiting so long for our big sequel to come out. Like, what's going on, bud? My career is in shambles. I'm I'm second fiddle to Harvey Keitel and Lansky, and you're, just, <laughs> you're waiting. You just keep waiting. Well, that's the thing about Sam Worthington is like they. I think it was a poor choice uh, to try to like shoehorn him into like leading man roles, like like Terminator. That wasn't a good use of your Sam Worthington. Like I think I saw him in a Australian movie. I think it was called Rogue. It was about a crocodile. Mm, it's like yeah. a, it was like an eat him up, and he just played like an Australian thug. Like he was just a dude, um, and he seems to do that a lot better. Like he, just being like a kind of a normal, slightly obnoxious dude um like what was it uh the david Ayer movie uh sabotage or whatever mm. he plays like kind of a trashy dude in that and it's like you know it kind of works <laughs> like i can kind of believe it actually <laughs> but um then at one point i think he grew a mullet um yeah yeah i, I remember the marketing for that man on a ledge movie oh yeah because because ha- like the title of that movie is just like what the fuck but then half of the marketing is like genesis rodriguez who everybody's happy with and then Sam Worthington has a mullet. <laughs> and that's like, that's all I got from that trailer. It's like, it's a really hot lady. And he has a mullet. <laughs> it looks like shit. <laughs> that's all you need to know. That's all I need, man. I still haven't seen that movie, but no. I, I don't need to. But um, we also have a 4K release of Peter Rabbit 2, in case anybody cares. Yeah. Uh, or saw the first Peter Rabbit, for that matter. Um, we have a Habit from 2021 this is a lionsgate disc um directed by janelle shirtcliffe in what appears to be a debut uh yeah that's about it the cover jumps out at you as does the title but um beyond that don't really know what that is um i think that's about it for that week so let's bop on down to the final week of august uh that would be august 31st uh, 2021 um right out the gate we have uh what i presume is a uh, arrow's way of cashing in on the upcoming denis villeneuve uh release of dune uh, so this would be uh dune uh david lynch's dune from 1984 on 4k uh and in what appears to be like a super duper 
uh, special edition Blu-ray box set. Um, Brad, do you have much connection to this film? You know, I, I've only seen it the one time, and uh, I, I wasn't overly crazy about it. Um, you know, it's worth watching simply from, you know, the fact that it is Dune, and it is a David Lynch film, even though he's not a fan of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of intrigued to pick it up on 4K just because it's Arrow, and I, I do probably want to watch it before um, seeing the new one just for a little comparison. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to spring for it. It's, it's, I'm on the fence with it. Yeah, Arrow discs tend to be kind of pricey to begin with, um, and it doesn't help when the movie you kind of know it in your gut isn't that great (laughs) yeah because yeah i've only seen it front to back one time but i've seen snippets of it like many many times over the years and the reason why it's only been snippets is because just didn't care to watch the whole thing um this is one of those movies that's kind of like blue uh blade runner where there's many many versions of it floating around out there so i'm curious what exactly is in the box because uh, there's like the theatrical edition, but then there's like an extended edition. Um, I know that the version I watched had like a, a an insanely long prologue where it's just like Virginia Madsen and a bunch of like Ken Burns paintings spelling out the history of the universe to you for like 20 minutes or something. I was just like, okay, I get it. Fuck. <laughs> can we get can we get to the the space knives and the 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 poison cats and boxes and stuff <laughs> and the the floating oil men yeah also uh worth noting with this release is that uh it was supposed to contain a feature length documentary about dune um and like the making of the film but unfortunately even though that was advertised when arrow first announced the 4k they did have to put out a statement uh couple months ago they said that they were not actually going to include the feature length documentary so a bit of a blow there um considering i'm assuming that the price remained the same um and i don't think i ever i don't know if anybody ever got a clear reason as to why because i believe uh like it's a separate group who is producing the feature length documentary um so some people i was just kind of looking at some comments here and they were saying oh it's not going to be finished in time and you should postpone the release and some people were like i bet david lynch has something to do with this so who who knows but um anyway no feature length making of documentary on the dune 4k which is a big disappointment oh that's a huge bummer yeah Uh, thank thanks for the inside scoop brad i wasn't aware of that um because the making of this movie is a huge part of the appeal honestly because like like brad and i both said the the movie doesn't have a stellar reputation however the production of the movie and the recruiting of david lynch to direct the feature that's that's what i would care about um in fact my brother also gifted me another documentary so he got me the alien one memory Mm. but he also got me hodorowsky's dune oh okay um, yeah yeah which i have i have yet to watch but that's kind of a, a roundabout making of dune like the unmade dune um but yeah man like if if i was to purchase this i would i would be really intrigued to know more about the production of it yeah and that's really sad that they aren't including that and uh somebody put a, this and this is all through just facebook comments so i'm not i'm not fact checking the validity of this tweet but uh someone put a picture in the comments of the uh announcement that there would be no feature-length documentary apparently that was being produced by ballyhoo pictures 
Um, and on Twitter, Daniel Griffith of Ballyhoo Pictures uh, said that unforeseen issues delayed the completion of the documentary. It needed a few more weeks. So it sounds like it was just a, a time thing, which uh, probably came down to Arrow. They said, well, we can wait and put it out after the new Dune is released with the making of documentary. Or we can put it out before, and they probably said we're going to sell more copies if we put it out before. So that's that's a bummer. Well, our our director of the new Dune has a very very solid, like he's he's got a solid body of work backing him up. But this is Dune we're talking about. We we've already taken one swing at it, didn't exactly go so hot for anyone involved. So I would imagine everybody's kind of like really hoping the new one does really well but at the same time if you're going to be trying to cash in on it you might want to put out your disc before the movie comes out just yeah, in case yeah. just and in case i don't know the trailers have not wowed me i will say that they I have, have not, not been wowed. wowed me either they have not wowed me either brad and i do really like Denis villeneuve like like he i as far as i know he has yet to make a bad film um he did a bang up job with Blade Runner so he's he's comfortable he's demonstrated that he's comfortable playing in other people's sandboxes mm-hmm. <laughs> sand um but uh yeah the the marketing for it has me a, a little bit worried yeah either way I think I, I know there's a lot of buzz online I got a feeling this movie is going to be a big flop at the box office especially being on HBO Max I mean I don't think Dune has the pull that like I don't know. I I just don't see general audiences rushing out to see this thing. <laughs> yeah, that that's what my gut tells me too. So yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page there. But yeah, uh, I would imagine aside from the, the lack of a feature length documentary, which, uh, damn, like I'm I'm not even interested in buying the damn thing. But I feel really bad for, you know, what could have been. Um, Arrow generally does a fantastic job with their releases, so I would expect that what's what's there is great. But um. Beside that, we have a Vinegar Syndrome, a Vincent release of Through the Fire, and goddamn, that cover art is banging. Kind of yeah. love it. Yeah. Don't know too much about this one, but, uh, you know, Vinegar Syndrome, they always knock it out of the park. Don't even need to question if it's going to be a quality release. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the cover art has me intrigued. Um, beside that, we have a uh, Fun City Editions release. Uh, so this would be a Vinegar Syndrome exclusive. So I'm guessing that's a side brand for them. Does yeah, that sound it's right? one of their partner labels. Gotcha. Uh, of Rancho Deluxe from 1975. Uh, we, have a param- we have the 23rd Paramount Presents uh, release, Bugsy Malone. Uh, so <laughs> released out of order, but who gives a fuck anyway? Um <laughs> And then we have a 4K release of In the Heights from 2021. This is, of course, directed by John M. Chu. And this is the Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, musical adapted to film. Uh, I saw this in the theater. Uh, This was, I think, the first COVID movie I ever saw. Oh, wow. Um, Really? Yeah. uh, The girlfriend, uh, her her friend did like a a get-together where everybody pulled the resources and they rented a theater essentially oh, okay okay fine so it's fine. like so it's like the safest way possible to to see a film um and yeah uh we we went out there uh, as i said um, a girlfriend really really big on musicals really big on singing she she is a singer herself uh, so she was super hyped for this especially because hamilton is like her world <laughs> um, and uh yeah i 
I thought it was fine. <laughs> it's like, I think she actually felt the same way where it's like yeah. it has a couple of highlights and then the rest of it's just like it's fine <laughs> yeah I was gonna say this is the first movie you leave the house for in a year and a half in the heights but I'm like oh okay alright that makes more sense that it was rented theater you know group people alright it's yeah it, it, it was it was it didn't really matter what we we're seeing it was like just the first time that we could get everybody together and feel okay about it mm-hmm. um in like you said like a year and a half so yeah. for me it was just surreal just being in a theater again didn't matter what we were seeing but um yeah and the movie ended up being not half bad i mean john john chu has an extensive background in choreography and like dance dance films mostly uh, so he knows how to put to, he knows how to edit together uh, motion um, to keep it engaging, but just the the raw material is clearly a a step down from from Hamilton. Like it's not the same caliber of musical, and it hurts yeah. it a little bit. But you know, it's it's fine. Like it's not every musical has to be the best fucking thing ever or be this massive cultural phenomenon. It was it was a fine way to spend an evening. Um, and let's see what else we got here. We got a Vincent Vincent Price film, uh, The Last Man on Earth from 1964, uh, Terminal Island, uh, which is a 4K release from Vincent from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, not familiar with that one, but uh, they don't put out 4Ks all the time, so must mean something to somebody. Um, and we have Tough Guys Don't Dance which is also a Vinegar Syndrome release from 1987, appears to be a canon film, uh, so you know <laughs> you know it's good. <laughs> um, and we also have Auntie Lee's Meat Pies, uh, limited to 5,000 copies uh, from Vinegar Syndrome, 1992. Um, any of those going to be pickups for you, Brad? I've heard pretty good things about uh, Terminal Island. Um can't say I've heard much about the other ones, and i got to say I'm not a big fan of the cover art for that Auntie Lee's meat pies uh, definitely makes it seem like it's uh, what's that one uh, company that we always point out that does like the really low budget schlock it's reminding me of them oh yeah we haven't seen any of those this month as far as I know but um, if we come across one here at the last minute I'll, I'll point it yeah. out yeah um, yeah folks at home there's a specific there's a specific disc publisher that specializes in these like overly made up covers that's like something tells me this is total shit you're trying a little too hard yeah <laughs> um also we have a uh, girls schools girls school screamers from 1985 uh as far as a uh, vinegar syndrome releases go um and then we have a uh, beast of no nation coming out from criterion which uh was that initially like a netflix film yeah, it was one of their real early uh, yeah. originals. Um, I don't know. I wasn't blown away by it, I got to say, when it first came out. I didn't dislike it, but uh didn't wow me or anything. Um, I do like that Criterion is putting out some of the better Netflix films on physical media. I Did I buy? I want to say I there was one I bought, but now I, I don't think I... I'll have to uh, check. Ro- Roma? No, I didn't buy Roma, I don't think. Maybe I didn't buy any of them. I don't, you know. <laughs> but uh, th- if I do pick up one, it probably would be Roma or Marriage Story or they put out The Irishman, I think, correct? Yes, um, they did. This... I actually own that one. Oh, that's, there you go. I think that's the one uh, Criterion Netflix uh, product that I have. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I probably won't be picking up Beast of No Nation. I wouldn't mind revisiting it, though. Um, okay. Especially, you know, with uh, the new Bond film coming out from Kerry Fukunaga, so. Yeah. Ah, uh, No Time to Die fucking finally. God. Let's hope. Let's uh, hope. Let's knock on wood there. Okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm ready for some fucking Bond. It's yeah. been way too fucking long. Like, I'm, I, I'm feeling it at this point, Brad. There's, a, there's an absence. There's been a tremor in the force, and I feel it. Um, it's most certainly not going to come out via Criterion, um, but not. I'm not going to go on and on and on about this. But it, the proliferation of streaming services has resulted in this uh, vexing situation where we have a lot of movies that aren't finding their way to physical media such that it's it's worrying because mm-hmm. that that's how you end up with kind of what we're seeing now where a whole bunch of like vhs era movies are finding their way to like 4k and blu-ray um that never even really got releases up until just today basically yeah um and we have movies like uh the night comes for us on a uh, Netflix, which is a Indonesian uh, action film, like martial arts film that is one of the finest of its subgenre of splatter foo. Um, but it has no physical media release in any region, as far as I understand. And it's just locked down on Netflix. And it, it, it's like, man, I don't have Netflix. So therefore I can't watch that. And I, my hope is that somebody picks up the rights to that someday because it's just for now it's just sitting on Netflix. And mm-hmm. same goes for uh, the Korean version of Jinro, uh, Ilang, I think is the the name. I uh, I think that's a Netflix exclusive, and the only Blu-ray that exists of it is in Korea. Um, so yeah, it it it's one of those things where it's like I'm glad Criterion is is doing their due diligence and like doing their best to preserve the like the really good ones not not the total shit that i like yeah <laughs> but um moving right along we have an arrow release of the brotherhood of satan uh we have something called uh whatever it takes which shockingly is a vinegar syndrome released from 1998 uh starring don the dragon wilson andrew dice clay and fred williamson Goddamn. That is a, quite the cast. Yeah, definitely <laughs> a, a later film for them to put out. They usually don't go that far into the 90s. Um, their releases are usually pretty much 80s, early 90s, but uh, 98, that's pretty That's pretty late for them. Yeah, I was about to say, that doesn't seem like their flavor. Um, and I, I, I clicked on that. Like, I clicked on the cover art for that, not expecting it to be a Vinegar Syndrome release, but, you know, whatever. Um I'm curious as to why this uh, Awaken uh, thumbnail is obvious. It's it's like literally a hand holding the disc, um, and and then like the most generic of 4K Ultra HD stickers placed in front of it. I'm pretty sure that's pulled just straight from Vinegar Syndrome's website. That's how they uh, usually they do a lot of their photos where they have the guy holding it and then he flips it over. And uh, I'm not 100 percent sure why they do it like that. I guess so you can actually tell that you're looking at the literal case maybe it's, gotcha um but uh yeah i believe this is just like a, a a documentary sort of like just showing slices of life i want to say um and uh interesting yeah shot shot a five-year period in more than 35 countries poetic exploration of existence technology time and memory uh kind of re- sounds like i've never watched it but there's a film called 
if I'm going to pronounce it right, Koyaniskatsi. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of, I was getting that kind of vibe um, from it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't know anything about that, so I'm glad you at least knew that. Um, it's from Gunpowder and Sky, and uh, they have an interesting release catalog, including that uh, Prospect movie from 2018 that I think very recently saw a re-release. Um, and uh, funny enough, uh, Her Smell, which is a movie that mm. we reviewed on Catching Up on Cinema very recently. Um, so let's move right along. Uh, we have... Your very favorite publisher, Brad, uh, AGFA, uh, American Genre Film Archive, uh, putting out She Freak from 1967. Dig that title. Yeah, 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 yeah. That cover, that cover art is very striking. It's very striking. I'll give it that. <laughs> I kind of love it. Like it, it, it knows what it is. Yeah, and yeah. it celebrates it. It's great. Um, we also have uh, Mortal Kombat Legends: Battle of the Realms from 2021, which is a uh, Warner Brothers uh, animated film, presumably covering the the plot of Mortal Kombat two, maybe even three. Who knows? Um, we got some shit. <laughs> Anything else jumping out of you, Brad, or is that about it? Uh, I can mention just these couple other Vincent Price movies: The Raven and uh, the Comedy of Terrors. Um. Also, those all, all those Vincent Price movies put out by Kino um, and Master of the World as well uh, with Vincent Price. So big week for Vincent Price fans. And uh, yeah, I don't know much about them, but. Yeah, uh, neither do I. But Vincent Vincent Price is is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he I think I've seen like a couple of clips of him with like Kermit the Frog or something that just are are absolutely incredible like yeah that that guy was just awesome like everything he touched was gold but um that's about it i will point out that there is a uh forgotten jolly volume two blu-ray uh box set that i is this uh is this new or is this a reprinting or something this must be the reprinting of the the standard edition because the limited edition did go out of stock in the uh, halfway to Black Friday sale, don't remind me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> good to know that I can now buy the the standard edition. Uh, so I, yeah, I guess I maybe will pick this up actually. Yeah, folks at home, if you're not aware, uh, Brad also has a YouTube channel to go along with his uh, podcast, uh, the Cinema Speak uh, YouTube channel, uh, wherein he's done a couple of unboxings and. Uh, yeah, uh, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not, <laughs> <laughs> but it's always fun. Um, anyway, uh, as is customary, we'll wrap things up here with uh, just like rattling off anything that we think we might pick up for this month. So while uh, Brad collects his thoughts, um, I'll just scroll backwards through the timeline here and point out anything I might be picking up. So uh, Dune, especially now that we... Uh, know that there's no documentary on the disc is absolutely a no-go for me mm-hmm. um, not there, that, there might not be that, some bonus features but no feature length making of it they had to put out a statement for that uh, it wasn't really a list it wasn't really on my list of priorities anyway i don't really have much of an affinity for the film nor do i have the same connection to david lynch that you do so it's like what am i doing (laughs) um but i I have seen it it was an interesting watch i wouldn't call it a good one but it was it was different i'll give it that much but um yeah uh 
this might be a pretty lame month uh <laughs> fast vengeance while i am kind of in interested to see about that stunt performer i think uh, dy sow i think was his name um after i looked him up on imdb it sounded like he's poised to make some big moves uh in in the world of stunts and action in hollywood um that's not enough for me to pay money for this movie other than maybe a red box watch or something i already got uh grid man uh the complete series and i i'm well on my way to finishing it i'm having an absurd amount of fun watching this children's television show from the 90s <laughs> uh, it's kind of embarrassing but you know it's fun for me shut up um do, 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 going through really not finding a whole lot here uh it's one of those months it's one of those months, and uh, I already got Transformers the movie on 4K, so uh, the two I got are the two I will get, uh, just just those two. So that's it for me for August. Uh, how about you, Brad? Well, with two pickups this month, you might even beat me out. Um, I'll, I'll say I will definitely be watching Seance and Profile, but I, I don't think I'll be buying those unless I find them real cheap. Um, I will definitely get the uh, Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat because I have to, and I did just check on Blu-ray, Blu-ray.com in the forums. They are um, available at Walmart, so I might go pick up some more Cheetos mac and cheese and uh, get Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat as long as it's not uh, beat to shit, which can happen at Walmart. Otherwise, I'll buy it online. And then uh, the only other thing that I might get, but I'm not 100% on, I might pick up Two Evil Eyes. It's expensive, so that's why I wouldn't get it. Like, if it was 10 bucks cheaper, it'd be a no-brainer. Um, but I do really want to see it, so we'll see. But that that's it for me. <laughs> so the most exciting purchase you'll make is Cheetos Mac and Cheese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yes. And I will say probably the uh, standard, because I, I did try the Flamin' Hot kind, and it was, uh, it, it was, it was hot. It was very hot. <laughs> Okay, I haven't had either, but I I didn't know such a product existed. But uh, so good though, like good enough, like that you're you're gonna grab some more next time you're at the Walmart. Let me put it this way, I picked up the Cheetos mac and cheese because I went to Walmart to buy the Wraith, and I was walking through the store and saw the Cheetos mac and cheese. So if I go pick up Sundown the Vampire and Retreat, I'm gonna go check and just see if they have some more Cheetos mac and cheese, just because I feel like I need to. They just you know just it feels right. <laughs> I mean, Vestron, like, I, I want to say that pairing your Cheetos mac and cheese with your Vestron is probably a, is probably recommended. Like, yeah. a, actually, they should probably include a coupon or something. They should. <laughs> like, it's like for every Vestron disc you buy, you get a box of Cheetos mac and cheese. They really should, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, Brad's new tradition. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every, every month, get the new Vestron and some Cheetos mac and cheese. That's a fun night right there. That's all you need. Uh Okay, well, um, thank you so much for joining me uh, in this uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray episode, Brad. It's always fantastic having you here along for the ride. Uh, but uh, before we go, do you want to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your podcast? Yeah, we're the Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, you can find us on any podcasting platform. Just search for Cinema Speak. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the Cinema Speak. We're on Instagram, Cinema Speak Podcast, on YouTube as Cinema Speak. And then you can also find all our episodes at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. 
All right. Thanks for that, Brad. And uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to catch up on any of our Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on pretty much any platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. Uh, but that being said, Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we will catch you next time. Bye.